Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If this is your first time tuning into University of Adversity, do me a favor and subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Or if you're watching on YouTube, go hit the subscribe button there and hit the bell to stay on top of the notifications. Whether you're listening to this on CastBox, Spotify, Apple, hit that subscribe button or follow button. I don't want you guys to miss out on any of the action because when the episodes drop, you're the first to know. So I want to make sure that you do and that you don't miss out on any of this stuff. And a lot of you that are new to this joining the show, I want to bring back some of these great episodes for you. Some of the fan favorites and my personal favorites. Last week, we had Theo Fleury on. This week, we had probably, arguably the most popular guest that I've ever had to date. And one of the most successful dudes around, probably one of the most well-known on social media and one of the biggest names out there right now. And that is the man himself, Grant Cardone. We dove into his story. We dove into entrepreneurship. We dove into what it actually takes to win. He gave a lot of really solid advice. And whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you work in a business or whatever it is you do, there's some very, very valuable lessons here. Grant was addicted to heroin. He overcame that to go on to create um, a billion dollar portfolio in real estate and one of the most sought after real estate investors in the world. He's, he's written New York Times bestselling books. Um, one of my favorites, the 10X Rule. He's also got a massive, massive event, the 10X Growth Conference, which has the biggest names on the planet join him every year. So this was a real treat to have him on. I plan on getting, on him, on, getting him again on the show down the road, but I wanted to share this with you guys because there are a lot of you that are new. And when you go through the list, there's you know 360 plus and sometimes you got to go back kind of a ways to find this. So I wanted to tee this up, get it kind of closer to the top so that if you are joining us, you realize the, the capacity of the guests that I've had from all different walks of life, from New York Times bestselling authors, celebrities, pro athletes, spiritual masters, doctors, scientists, and you know what? Some of the most inspirational common heroes among us. I've, I've been able to have conversations with such a wide range of humans and I know that there's somebody there that could resonate with you. And Grant Cardone today is a very special episode, and I'm super excited to share it with you. If you've heard it before, let's do it again. If you're brand new and you've first time, enjoy, because it's a good one. If you guys get value from this, share it with somebody that you feel needs it. Or if you can, leave us a review on Apple or wherever you're listening to this. It really matters. It really helps. Helps boost the awareness of the show. And yeah, guys. I'm really excited. One more thing. The pre-sale for my book, Mastering Adversity, is now available. Click the link below in this show description. It's there for you. Nice and big. Click there. You can, you can buy the book, the pre-order. It's going to be awesome. I'll keep you up to date with the dates. I think we are going to be pushing the date of the book back, but I'll keep you up to date on that. Nonetheless, you can purchase the book pre-sale right now, whether you do it here or go to my Instagram at lance.esios, connect there, and then you can hit the link. Also, my website, 
LanceEcios.com. Has everything you need there. All right. Enjoy this episode, this very special retro flashback episode with the man himself, Grant Cardone. Uncle G, Grant Cardone. Welcome to the show, my man. Thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to have you on. It's um, really excited to, to dive into your story, man. You've accomplished a lot of amazing, amazing things. And, but what I really appreciate about you is your, your story and how you've been able to claw your way back from different challenges in your life. And I can really resonate with your story as well in a lot of different ways. So where I really want to start, man, is I would just love to be able to kind of get some insight into, you know, you growing up, Louisiana, a young guy, and maybe just give us a little insight into young Grant Cardone. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't have a terrible childhood. I mean, by, by all means, we, we weren't. We weren't dirt poor or anything. Came from a loving family. You know, my mom and dad, you know, they, they were good to, to the kids. And then, the, you know, the old saying, bad things happen to good people too. Yeah. Uh, my dad died when I was 10. He had a heart, he had a heart problem, a heart condition. He was, I guess he was 52 years old. He was, so he was a really a young man. Yeah. And five kids, my mom didn't know how to make money. She, she wasn't, my dad was taking care of her. Right. And she was the mother, which she was taking care of us. And so one day everything's fine. The next day she's got to take care of us and take care of the money. So she became terrified like anybody would with a new job or a new position. I'm 10. Yeah. Kids, watch, kids see everything that's going on. I can see my mom's in terror. Like clearly I understand that my mom is terrified. Right. And I could see it because she's clipping coupons and she's worried about money and she's sitting there with a pen and a piece of paper every day figuring out how much money's left over because she had some passive income coming in from stock, dividend stocks. Every every three months she would get a check right? or the, I don't know what benefit, she was getting some benefit from the government, maybe my dad's social security check here in America. Mm. So anyway, I could see, you know, you don't have, you don't have to have an education to see that your parents scared. Right. And I couldn't help her. I didn't know what to do about it. So I felt, I felt out of control and I was scared. And then I would end up growing up like that, man. That ended up affecting me in a, in a, in a, in a lot of ways. I think, I think it actually affects a lot of families around the world. I hear a lot of people come to me and say, I can really relate to your story. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough too at that age, right? I mean, I lost my dad recently. I can't imagine what it would have been like at 10 because you you know having that father figure in your life is so important in so many ways. Yeah, so, and, and and the other thing with that deal is that like, dude, I don't know anything about death. Yeah, like nobody prepared me for the life cycle. Right. You know there there is a life cycle, and when you when you when you, I think if you're in Iraq, if you grew up in Iraq, Iraq, or if you grew up in Romania. 25 years ago and you're a kid, you're used to losing people. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it, it's happening everywhere. If you grew up during world war two, there's a good chance that your dad, you know, you, you lost a kid when he was 18 years old because he went off to war. But, but I did, I, I wasn't, I didn't have any reality on death. Yeah. So, so I get good with that. And then, and then, and then I, and then, 
going forward, I didn't have a mentor. I had no one to be my dad. I had no one. That's why I'm so passionate about helping, helping people without kid, uh, without parents. Right. Yeah. It's important, man. Like, so then your, your dad, your dad died right when he made it, right? Like he had just made it. And yeah, Yeah, really, he was just starting to like find his way, you know? Yeah. Starting to get his groove and then boom, that happened. And then your mom, your mom probably got overwhelmed with everything. And then that sort of, that, that led you, is that when you started to get into like, you know, getting into the drugs and getting into the trouble and because of all the boredom and as we are as kids, like there's no other, if you don't have an outlet, usually it leads to trouble, right? Yeah, to, to, absolutely. You know, later I would be told that I was a drug addict, but the yeah. truth is I was not a drug addict. I was, uh, even though I did have a drug problem, I had a drug problem because I was doing drugs. Yeah. You have a spending problem if you spend more money than you, than you, than you earn. I don't think that that means you have an addiction though. The problem I had was I had boredom. I, I, there was boredom in my life. I didn't have anything to do. There was, if you don't have anything to do, you're going to end up in trouble. I, was, I forget where I was, but, but, but I was smoking a cigarette. And somebody said, I didn't know you smoked. I said, I don't, I'm bored. <laughs> you know? And, and so it's like when you're bored, you can do all, you can try almost any dumb thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not focused on anything. So you just, you're going to do what everybody's doing around you too. Yeah. You yeah. bunch your friends are doing stupid shit. Who says, who says, if you don't believe in something, you'll, you'll, you'll end up believing in anything. Yeah. That's true. It's a good quote. Yeah. So how did, so let's talk about that for a second. How did that, let's talk about that path. You started to get, you got into drugs. See, I can, I can relate. Cause I got into the, I was in the bar scene for many years. I was running bars and, you know, drinking and partying and doing drugs. You, you can really fall into this, this rabbit hole, this dark hole. And you're just constantly digging yourself holes and trying to dig out. You, you'll never, you never build on that surface, you know, get yourself up and walk us through some of those challenges, man, because, and kind of, if you can paint us a bit of picture of what it was like going through that, because people that haven't gone through that have no idea how hard it is to get out of. Right. Yeah. So look, I went from the age of 16 until I was 25. Every day I was using drugs. Yeah. Every day from 16 to to 25, nine years, I swore that I was not going to do it again. There was not a day that I did not decide I was not going to use again. That means I had nine years of me breaking commitments every day. Yeah. So, you know, people talk about drugs and how bad they are. And they are, they're terrible. Yeah. They, they, they do a lot more damage than people know. But what it was really damaging, even, even more than the drugs, was the, the, the sense of degradation and the repeated violation of my own agreements. I'm not going to do this again. You know, I was using drugs five and six times a day, not, not once I was using them all day long. So nine times three, 65 times five or six times a day. Like it was, I don't know what that number is. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. 3,600 times five. So it's, you know, 15,000 times I said I wouldn't and I broke my agreement. Yeah. Well, 
you do that long enough, man, and you don't trust yourself anymore. Yeah. And that was the biggest problem with the drugs. That could have been gambling. It could have been cheating on your partner. Could have been, you know, at work saying you're going to do something and you don't do it. Everybody has these issues. Yeah. Mine just happened to be drugs, which you use enough drugs and you're not going to, you're going to start looking bad. The body starts wearing out. Yeah. I weighed 135 pounds at 24 years old. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's 35 pounds lighter than I am today. I was sick, man. I was sick. My body was sick. You know, I was, I was literally like, if you're asking for details, I was, I had trouble even using the bathroom because my, 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 my organs were starting at 24 years old, were starting to not function. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't have sex anymore. 23 years old. I was having trouble having sex. Wow. And, and, uh, and I hated myself. So that where I worked, they didn't trust me. My family didn't trust me. If, if somebody needed something and needed to know somebody was going to show up, they would never call on me. So at 25, I went to a treatment center. I called a priest friend of mine, Charlie Dubois. He's my, he was my priest and he had a, he had an alcohol problem and I knew he had cleaned up. And I called Charlie up and I said, Hey, can you get me to that place wherever you went? Can, can you get me in there? And uh, he flew on the plane over there with me, dropped me off. 20, 26 days later, I came home and I never used drugs again. So, all right. Yeah, it's, I want to just unpack that a little bit because those commitments we keep to ourselves is what builds our confidence. And it just rips apart our self-esteem if we're constantly saying, I'm going to do this and we don't do it. And you do that over and over again. You're telling yourself, Fuck, I don't, I don't believe anything you're saying, like in your head. I don't believe anything I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like if you don't yeah. do things that you say you're going to do, then you just start to believe that. And it just, you just, it's true. It's crazy. I know it's crazy how that, and. Yeah. And let me just say that like, like, this is really cool that you're saying this. Nobody's actually ever done this in an interview with me and I've done hundreds of interviews, but you know, if you're, if you're a carpenter, and you say you're a carpenter or a plumber or a salesman. And you keep telling people that, that you're that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a carpenter, okay? Or I'm a builder. And, and what happens is, is you become that thing. That's the problem with labels. Yeah. You get trapped in all labels, even the good ones. Oh, I'm a carpenter. I'm a good carpenter. All right, well, what, what if you don't want to be, in, what if you want to be more than a carpenter one day? I was doing an interview recently and the guy kept, kept asking me a question about how, how to handle an objection. I'm like, bro, bro elevate the game, bro. Like yeah. you're asking a question. Like I'm still handling one objection. I'm running a business here. I, I'm running a, my business is going to do $150 million this year. I'm not worried about how to handle one objection anymore. Yeah. That, it's just ridiculous. Like, like elevate the game, change the questions and change your labels. Yeah. Because you're going to become, you're going to become what you do every day. Yeah. 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 That's the thing. Like, and people, people give themselves, put themselves in these boxes, these personas, and they stay with them and they, they, all their actions align with that thing. Yeah. And until you start changing and doing different things and having different conversations, you're just going to stay the same. And yeah. a lot of people don't realize that. And I really liked how you, how you talked about how, you know, you just have to, you know, it's all about reinforcing the new, the new, the new thing that we want to do. So 
to be able to get out of that. And I find it interesting because people get stuck in that, especially in rehab and relapsing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they stay a drug addict too long. Yeah. You know, they go to the meetings. I, I'm, a, I'm a drug addict. I'm grateful that I. Yeah. It's again today. Yeah, but you got to elevate the game at some point. I, I went to meetings for probably 10 years, maybe longer than that. And at some point, I'm like, hey, guys, I got to elevate my game now. And if I started studying other stuff, they freaked out. I'm like, what, what are you guys doing? Your marriage is failing. You don't have any money. You have the same truck that you had when I walked in here 10 years ago. Yeah. You still have your, your problems paying your bills. You're, you're talking about your daddy was an alcoholic and that you're an alcoholic and, and you're just grateful because you're not using today. When do you change the game? Yeah. Like, when are you going to grow up? I mean, you can't stay in these meetings for 10, 50. We call them the old timers. Like, like, when do you elevate the game? When do you change the level of your problems? Yeah. And people need to look for new problems. That's, I needed new problems. Yeah. And, and, and that, as much as I liked Bill and Bob and, and the book they wrote, the, the 12 Steps and the, you know, the anonymous programs and the recovery programs, as much as they helped me clean up and supported me in the cleanup, there's a, they're, they're just lacking technology to, to like, okay, at some point I got to advance my game. They said in the book, by the way, if you know that book, Alcoholics Anonymous, he said more will be revealed in, in, in the future. Hmm. And, and so me, meaning Dr. Bill and Bob of the 12 step that created that 12 step program, that, that there would be new technology that would come along that people could benefit from that would actually, like I did a purification process when I was 45 years old that detox my system of all the drugs in my bodies that were stored in oh. my fat, fat cells. Crazy. I hadn't used, I didn't, hadn't used drugs in 20 years, but when I did this purification, I could literally, I felt drugs still running through my system. Wow. And so, yeah, it's really important that people keep shape, like keep grooving in, keep improving, you know, keep doing what's working right now, but you got to start adding some new questions every once in a while. Yeah. My, my parents tried to get me to go to AA and I just refused, man, because I don't want to affirm that I am an alcoholic. I'm going to fucking change. Like I'm not going to be that person. And, and that's the thing. I think, like we said, people just are going to, they keep affirming that they're this thing and it's bullshit. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it because if you want to change, you can change. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, look, look yeah. it's important for me to know though. Yeah. It was important. I, I, you have to know what you're good and bad at. Yeah. Right. And, and so I, ha I have said many times, I'm an addict. I'm a drug addict. I, I'm many times I labeled myself a drug addict until one day I'm like, Wait, I'm, I'm a recovered drug addict now. Yeah. So, so if you got a spending problem, a gambling problem, a production problem, like there's a lot of people out there need to need to admit I have a production problem. I don't produce enough, but they never say that. What they do is they blame the government or they blame their boss and they blame the economy or they blame their passion. I just can't find what I'm good at, you know, as opposed to saying, Hey dude, you're, you're not producing. It's really important that you label the right problem, right? And the, right. the limitations that you do have. So AA, AA and, and, and NA, I went to mostly AA meetings, even though my problem was with drugs. It, it helped me mm. until it couldn't help me anymore. Right. Right. So you needed an outlet once you finished because, you know, obviously you're, you have this 
this drive, this energy, and you needed an outlet after, after finishing drugs, getting out of that, and you got into sales. Now, I know that you didn't like sales, but you wanted, and this is what I want to talk about too, is about leaning into things that you don't necessarily enjoy yeah. to make shit happen. Why did you pick sales as that, that well, specific? It's the job I had. I, I didn't, if, I was a, if I was a coder, I would have done coding. I didn't, I didn't, it's not like if I was a videographer, I would have probably done videography and, and figured out how to be the best videographer in the world. Right. I just threw myself to what I was in. I had to, it's the only thing I could, it's the only people that were hiring me was, was this. Like yeah. it wasn't a choice. This, this is the problem also I have with all these people that want to follow their passion. Like, yeah, it sounds great, but sometimes you just got to follow whatever you can do to make a living. Yeah. I think, I think it's a, a little egotistical and entitlement that, that somebody's like, I'm only going to do what my passion is. I was 25 years old, man. I had to do what I, the only thing I could do. Look, I know people, I know women right now that are going to go to dance at a club tonight. Yeah. Because that's what they have to do today. And I know they don't want to, but that's the only thing that's going to make them 10 grand this month until they figure out and they got a little, little baby at home and the, the, the daddy, the daddy's walked out and this is the way she makes 10 grand. And, and she's probably going to keep doing that, even though she's not passionate about it until at which point she's like, okay, I know another way I can make 10 or 12 grand a month. So I didn't go into sales cause I wanted to. I went into sales and learned it because I had to. It was literally my only way to make three thousand dollars a month. That that's I needed to make three grand to pay my bills. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about how not everybody is cut out for being an entrepreneur, right? And not everybody has to be. So many people think that's the best way. And that's like everybody has to be an entrepreneur these days, but not everybody is cut out for it. Yeah. Look, not you know. I know guys that want to be entrepreneurs, but they don't want to be in sales. Yeah. yeah I know crazy. guys that want to be entrepreneurs, but really what they want to be is influencers. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not an, you know, people are like, oh, you're an influencer on social media. I'm a businessman. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking, I'm not trying to get likes and comments. I'm trying to grow my business. Yeah. So, so people are confused right now, bro. Like we've never had this much confusion. The, the, the closest, the closest anybody's had this much confusion is possibly women with their body image. Yeah. Because those mags, those magazines have been out so long saying you need to look like this. Now it's starting this, this same image phenomenon is hitting men. I need to drive a Lamborghini. It's gotta be green. I gotta be, I gotta, it, it's starting to hit men now. Like you hit women. Okay. I gotta wear a Richard. So I'm going to buy a fake one. And I got to have my gold, my, my, my diamond tags on. Somebody sent me this recently, gave it to me as a gift. Selling it. <laughs> Look, I know guys, I know guys that are going to go buy six of these and they shouldn't have one of them. You know, it's a, it was a gift to me. So I'm an entrepreneur. Like you don't even look up the word. The word means you would risk money in order to actually, you would put yourself at a, a greater than normal risk in order to organize and grow a business. Right. 
Meaning I put myself at risk and my finances at risk to do so. So to be a real entrepreneur, you have to risk money and energy and your, your title and your time. Right. So why, what's, why do, or, or is it because people aren't willing to do the work or is it like, what is the reason they fail? Is it lack of belief? Is it lack of, I mean, what is it discipline? Like, what do you see as being why people can't cut it? Why people can't follow through with what they're doing as an entrepreneur, whatever it may be? Well, most, mostly I think it's because people have too much information. Yeah, it's crazy out there. It's not that you have, too, crazy. have too much. Yeah, we, we, just, we just enrolled a bunch of people in our mentor program, right? I said, guys, first thing you got to do is you have to understand that you've had too many mentors. Yeah. Okay. You need to get down to one mentor. Doesn't have to be me. But if it's going to be me, you can't drag two or three more people in, into, into your mental. Because you end up with a mental institution. I need, I, need to, I need to get my prescription from one source. I need to find out who my source of my prescription is going to be. And take the medicine. Don't combine prescriptions. It's dangerous. It, it, it ends up in people doing nothing. And, and so the, the, the reason people leave events and they do nothing is because, not because they're lazy, it's because they have conflicting data. So I'm going to tell you to spend all your money and not save any of it. Another guy's going to tell you, oh, you should bootstrap your company. Don't spend any money, save it all and give your products away for free. And then I'm telling you, no, 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 you need to make, you need to transact as often as you can. And you need to reinvest that money in your business. Well, the guy's going to do nothing. He's not going to take my advice or the other guy's advice. Right. He's probably more likely to take the other guy's advice just because he won't, he or she won't move because of the conflict of data. You know, if you're driving down the road and, and, and somebody's saying, go left, go left. And you're, you're like, and, and somebody else like, go right and go right. Right. You're probably going to slow down. Yeah. Any turn would be better than slowing down. Yeah. You know, the, the dangerous, the most dangerous, where do you live in Vancouver? Vancouver. The dangerous driver in all of Vancouver are the people that are new to Vancouver which I know you guys have a lot of, you probably got a thousand <laughs> coming to Vancouver that are fucking lost. Yeah. Austin, Texas. Yeah. You can, you, you can watch people in Austin, Texas. Cause they, they got so many new people coming in there every day that have no clue where they're going. Even though they got a GPS, even though they got their nav system on, even though they got it on their phone, they still don't know for sure. So what they do is they slow down and don't take action. Yeah. That's the thing. How does somebody how does somebody decipher through the noise? Like, how do you know? This is the thing too. And what is your theory on this? So many people are kind of reading so many books and they're just, they're, they're, they're not absorbing it. What do you think is better to read one book 10 times or read? Yeah. Rather than read. Yeah. I'm going to read one of Warren Buffett's books 10 times rather than reading 10 books. Or I'm going to read 10 of Warren's books, not Warren, Gary, Tony, Grant, John, Elmo, Higmo. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because like, you get you get lost, man. Like you don't because one person saying one thing, another saying another thing. Especially yeah. when it comes to you know, especially someone like sales too. If someone wants to be in sales, 
you got all these different people saying different things. You got people doing, you know, all kinds of gimmicks. You can get into that too. You listen to me. I'm going to tell you, look, tell them, tell them your intention. Tell them the price. Offer them terms. Write up everybody. You talk to this, this other slug, punk criminal that's, that's you know, He's going to say, oh, no, you need to match your tones and you need to manipulate and you need to control them and you need to do like, I don't, I don't want to do all that. Yeah. So the young salesman that's coming into sales and he hears a guy talking about all these tricks and gimmicks. And then he thinks that, that, that that's what it is. That, that, that is what causes salespeople to be unproductive. Right. So we, we, I have, I have, I don't know, 80 salespeople back here right now on the phone. Just crushing it. Well, they're not all crushing it. <laughs> But I know the ones that never make it here are the ones that, that have been educated on the tricks. Right. They never make it, man. I'm going to do $150 million back there in sales this year. So whatever I'm doing is working. Then you got a guy out there saying, you know, do all these tricks. He's got six salespeople. He might do, I'll do more in one day than he'll do in a, a, a month. Where, where, where do people get their advice from? You know, you got a choice. You got a choice to get advice from me on sales or Elon Musk on how to go to how, how to build an electric car. You might want to throw me away. You might want to just toss whatever you've ever heard from me and go watch, you know, go, go study everything Elon's doing. Right. This makes total sense, man. And I, I want people, you guys out there listening to understand that is to be able to, you know, pick, pick your, your spots with who you're following. Yeah. You know, you got to, and then, and then embrace, like completely dive into that, that, all that work instead of dipping your toe into a bunch of different ones, a bunch of different books, reading half of it, moving on, like really focus oh, in. Dilettante. You're describing the dilettante. You're describing yeah. the amateur, the amateur, it's an amateur commitment to anything. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't t tinker with shit. I, I go all in on stuff. I talked about this and be obsessed or be average. Yeah. Look, if you're not going to be obsessed with it, you're going to be average. So if you're going to be obsessed with it, what does it mean? It means that's what you study. Okay. If I'm going to be a good video guy, I got to know everything about light, every possible thing about light, angles, shadows, above, below, uh, white light, yellow light. I don't even know all the variations of lights. Okay. Like every little, little thing there is to know about light. Yeah. And, and video and cutting video. Like how much do I want to know about video? Right. And, 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 and not get stuck on the red camera. That might be the best video for the second, but not mobile enough to give me a download so that I can drop it onto the internet or onto Instagram right away. Right. And now I got to wait two days, but, but boy, the, the shot's better. Okay. Then you got to ask, Hey, what does my client want? My client would rather have the content now and drop some of the quality. Yeah. So, so same for sales, same for business, same for going to Mars. You got to be all in, man. Yeah. And we got, we have a society today that, 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 that are a bunch of dinkers. Yeah. Dinks. <laughs> You know, so they, they, they want to, they want to run a, a business from home with no, no payroll and no overhead. You can't be in business if you're not spending money on your business. Yeah. You're not a, you're I not a fan. Hit me with, with information on a 650 ER. God damn, that's tempting. See, now I'm all distracted. 
<laughs> Shit. You're not a fan of the um, the hiring remote and doing like, because I heard you talk about that, like the four hour work week style of stuff. You want, that it's, doesn't, you don't align, that doesn't, you don't like that, right? Yeah. I mean, look, whatever, if it, if it works for you, good. Yeah. But, but I'm going to do, I got a $1.4 billion worth of real estate over here. I'm bragging by the way. Yeah. So nobody needs to accuse me of that. You're not going to build a $1.4 billion worth of real estate um, working four hours a week. So it's, it's bullshit, dude. It's a gimmick. Yeah. Okay, you're not going to outsource everything and build a billion-dollar company. Now, the person watching now, like, I don't need to build a billion-dollar business. Okay, good. Well, so what, what kind of business do you want to build? And then, then you need to really look at your plan and say, okay, what you're going to build, is it, can it last? Can it take care of you and your family? Is it going to produce enough to take care of more than what you're just considering? Like, if, if you're thinking about, see, to me, anybody that's thinking about a four-hour work week is thinking about what? Just the cut corners. How do I do the least amount of works possible? Who are they thinking about themselves? When, when I hear Elon Musk talk about 100-hour work weeks, when I hear Bill Gates talk about reading 15 to 20 books a month. Warren Buffett reads four hours a day. Can you imagine Warren Buffett saying, hey, do a four-hour work week? Yeah. Dude, the guys at the top of the food chain never talk like that. These are fucking gimmicks. They're gimmicks. It's bullshit. It's shortcuts. And it's, it's crazy how it works with so many people when all you got to do is, like, take a look Top of the food chain is saying, hey, 100-hour work weeks. Elon Musk, Musk is worth $19 million. He's going to change the world with SpaceX, Tesla, with, with, with the, moon show, the, Mars, the, the, the Mars attempts. He will change the world. He, he says, if you work 100 hours and your competition works 40 hours, you work two and a half times more than they did. At the end of the year, you will be two and a half years at least ahead of them, assuming no progress in the other 60 hours. So, so now, now add a thousand people that are doing the same thing. Yeah. So I got a guy, I got a guy right now that rags on me online. He's got six interns. He offices out of his little apartment in, in Santa Monica. I have 80 employees plus another 70, uh, sorry, plus another 94 here, 174 employees. I have 10 times the salespeople. Who wins? You do. I don't have time to rag on that guy. Yeah. We, 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 had, we had 15 people travel here today to go through the HR process. That's twice, I'm sorry, that's four times what he has his interns. He can't keep up. It's impossible. So all he can do is rag. Right. Right. Any, anybody, anybody that's like hating on the competition, like when you hate, you can't create. You cannot do both at the same time. Right. And you can't, you can't get big staying small. Criticism, gossip, rumors, scrolling through Instagram. It's all, these are all indicators that you become a spectator, not a player. And I can say all that because I used to be that guy. I used to be the guy that would criticize the guy that was building a business while I was just trying to 
manage a business. And there's a big difference between managing a business from home with a couple of employees. It's tempting because it doesn't require as much risk. You know, oh, I got to walk 50 feet. And I got my office. I can do it in my slippers. I have my dog. My kids are in the house, right? It's convenient, but it's all selfish. It's really what, like when you pull back the curtains, it's selfish. And again, I'm talking about myself right now. Yeah. So everybody's like, who, who are you talking about? Me? <laughs> talking about me. I did yeah. this for 20 years and my business was never more than $3 million. Right. Change that, change that. Okay. And your business could do 3 million a week rather than 3 million a year. Yeah. It's a great point, man. I mean, so would you say, so, okay, you're obviously doing really well, successful. What are some things that you struggle with though now? Is it on a daily basis? Is there anything with social media or like, is there anything that for you is a challenge that you're, you're facing right now? Oh man. So many things like every day's a challenge. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the two kinds of challenges, one, the, the ones that bother me the most are the ones that, that are repetitive. Yeah. Same problem over and over again. Right. That's the one I can't stand. I don't mind new ones. I would rather have a new problem than have a repetitive problem. So, so what I'm trying to avoid is the ones that are, okay, again, really? Right. That one again? And it's below my pay grade. I want some big problems above my pay grade. Oh, shit. You got my attention. Not, not these ones that, that just nag at you. So everybody's trying to get rid of their problems. People should be trying to change their problems. Get some new ones, man. Get some good ones. Get some big ass juicy problems. Like I want to be in front. I want to be in a congressional hearing one day. I wonder if my lawyer can hear that. She's right outside the. <laughs> I want to be in a congressional hearing. Rand Cardone will be grilled by Congress today. Because if you can get grilled by Congress, you've made it. Yeah. They bring Mark Z in there. They're just doing it for their own attention. They're not doing it because they want to stop Facebook. They're doing it because they want to get, they want TV time. It's attention, man. How do you unplug from all the noise, all the BS? I mean, because you're pretty public on Instagram, your family, you got a great family. How do you separate the two or don't you? How do yeah, you? I don't, I don't really try to do that, you know? No? Uh, I, I, I'm not trying to. That just becomes another activity. Right. And becomes more, it takes energy, man. It takes energy to separate. Right. So I know some guys that have trouble with that because their wife, their wife, wife or their husband doesn't want to be a social. They don't want to be seen and they do. Their business requires them to be uh, on. My business does better if I'm on. Yeah. And, you know, we're not, we're not just running ads here. Like some guys, you'll see some guys just run ads. You never actually see them. Right. You don't see their life. They'll make, they'll make little attempts. Like if everybody would just pay a little more attention, you would see the difference. Yeah. Uh, like one guy, he'll, he'll spend money on ads. And then every once in a while, he'll pop his head out and make it look like it's him and the family. But then he goes away again. You, and I know immediately, oh, he's got problems at home with the, 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 the rest of the family being part of this. Okay. Me, me, I'm consistently like, there's no, there's, I'm never hiding. 
Oh man, that's what I love about you is your transparency. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what everybody, everybody can agree that you're fully transparent. Like you see, that's why, that's why I'm curious because you show everything, you know, like you're, you, you, you're always on, you're always filming. You're always transparent. So a guy just emails me, a guy just emails me. I'll just tell you, I, I don't know if you can see my screen right here. Can I share my screen? So this is who I am. I'm just a transparent guy. I'm not hiding anything. Huh? No, I love that. Can you see my desktop right now? No, no, no. Yeah, can you see it now? Uh, see, yeah. Yeah, so this guy just sent me a Gulfstream 650. They're trying to trade me out of my plane. Here's another email, okay? Here's a guy, here's a guy. This is what people need to see, man. They need to see what's really going on with a guy. This, yeah. this is the kind of shit I get hit with, hit with all day. I didn't come in planning to do this. I didn't even know you and I were doing this interview this morning. Here's a guy, Dan Phelan. Hey, Grant, Miami, can you see this one? Yeah. This email? Ryan, put our call yesterday. This deal just fell out with another buyer. Seller's looking for a replacement. Project 60% at least. You can close it. Stabilization in March. Trophy asset, 25-story, $108 million. This is what I always wanted to see. I wanted to see what the hell are the players really doing. Yeah, that's so a lot more. of guys are just, they're going to tell you, they're not going to show you this stuff. How do I get out of the share now, Just Stop the share. They're, 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 they're not going to show you this because either they don't have it going on mm. and they just want to talk a game. Right. There's a lot of that going on. You know, there's a lot of Photoshopping going on, bro. Yeah. Which is not a new thing. It's a crazy, the social media is crazy, man. Okay, man. Everybody's having a good day, man. You know? Yeah. Everybody's rich. Look how many is rich. Yeah. Well, how the important is the, sh the show? The economy is the shit, and we're going to see how many people be like, oh, shit, no abs. Yeah. <laughs> no abs. All they had was a phone the whole time. There is no car. There is no jet. There is no business, but it won't matter at that time because so many people will get hit and hurt. Yeah, There's so many pretenders. So, so many of us are like spectators chanting it on. Yeah. But so many people are consuming so much and not producing enough content as well on social media. It becomes like this. I, I find myself doing it too much, man. Like consuming 80% and producing 20 and then you're like whoa what am i doing what you can't fuck am i doing this is one thing that i'm aware of okay if i hit this if i hit my instagram right now yeah the moment i hit it and if you guys are following me on instagram i really appreciate it but the moment i hit it i become vulnerable to what's about to happen to me okay yeah there's half pint okay I don't even know why I'm following her. There's my boy Chris Fade, okay? Now watch. I, I, I wasn't planning on doing this. I already, I already got enough shit going on. I got, he's in Dubai. Hey, bro. So now I'm going to say, hey, bro. Can't wait to see you. Can't wait to see you. Okay, most people won't even do that the whole time they're on Instagram. Oh, there's Grant Cardone. There's, there, there's a post by me. Yeah. That's good. I'm seeing that. That's good. Here's Sonny Jensen. Here's... J J J the guy used to cut my hair. Here's uh, Stephen uh, Sports Center. I don't even watch this right now. Yeah. So right now I'm getting consumed. Okay, there's Grant Cardone again. Hob the Barber. 
John Maxwell, love John. But you see what I'm doing? You're in the loop. You're in the loop. Well, well, I'm in the endless loop. <laughs> like this loop don't even end. It's crazy. I, I can spend 20 minutes doing this. It's crazy. And when I'm doing this, I'm not building my business. I'm not growing my business. I'm not building my brand, grow, growing my band, brand. So how do you, okay, there, how do you, with the discipline factor, you said there's a quote that I, I like that you said that I, I want you to unpack if you can. The marketplace disciplines the undisciplined. Yeah. What does that mean for people out there listening? Because I love that when I heard that. Like in context. Any, anytime, anytime. And again, all I'm doing is talking from my own experience, but yeah. anytime I have not disciplined myself, the world will. You know, in 2008, when I wasn't growing my business and I was loafing and I was coasting, up comes this global economic contraction of almost biblical proportions and said, okay, we're going to discipline everybody. We're going to discipline everybody that, that has not been doing the right thing. So if you're, if you're, if you're doing weekends, if you're, if you're wasting two days a week, Saturdays and Sundays, uh, I, I know there are religious observations. It's 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 crazy to me how good people are on Sundays, yeah. and how they become such shitty human beings the rest of the week. Maybe people should go to church more often. You know, go go one hour every day. Now, now I trust your commitment. Yeah, I, I trust that a lot more than a guy that goes once a week. But but all I'm saying is like discipline, man. Yeah. I, I have the thing, one of the things that I have over some of the people that in my space is tremendous discipline. Okay. Unpack that a little bit for us. Like give us a little bit of. Whatever I, whatever I, today, whatever, where I started my life was I didn't trust my actions. Now I do. So I started this interview today with, with saying, Hey man, I remember when I could not, you know, I couldn't see it through. I'm going to quit using drugs today, but I didn't. Today, if I tell you I'm going to the gym, I'm going to the gym. Yeah. If I tell you I'm going to hit my target, I'm going to hit my target. I mean, everybody knows. If I tell you I'm going to punch you in the face, there's a good chance your nose is already broken. <laughs> if I'm willing to get in the cage with you, there's nobody thinks I won't get in there. Like, like, you know, if I tell you I'm going to put 35,000 people in a, in a stadium on Super Bowl weekend, the whole world says, hey, you know what that dude? Every time he says he's going to do something, he does it. So, you know, when you do that, I'm not doing that for the world. I'm doing it for me and my family. Yeah. I'm not doing it for to show off. I'm doing it because once I can do that, dude, I have confidence in myself. Like, like, where does my confidence come from? It comes from doing stuff. I, I did this course on confidence once. And, and the whole thing I got out of the course was those that do the most end up with the most confidence. Like, don't break your word to yourself. Makes total sense. Well, of course. Like, I mean, people wonder how to build confidence. It's like keep the promises that you say you're going to do. To yourself. Yeah. Yourself. Just to yourself. Yeah. And, and so, like, okay, I, I got a lot going on today. Yeah. And then I find out I got the university of adversity today. The university <laughs> of adversity. There's an adversity. Okay, good. I'm, I, I agreed to do it. Let's roll. 
Yeah. And then, and then I'm not going to make an excuse about it. I'm not going to be resentful about it. I'm going to do it, be 100% here, and then I'm going to go pick up the rest of this stuff that I got to do. Yeah. And then I'll feel great about myself at the end of the day. That's why everybody that does more in a day feels better about that day. Yeah. That is universal across all religions, all races, and all ages. Yeah. The more you get done in one day, the better you feel about the day. Where did the day go? Shit, where did the day go? As opposed to, I didn't have anything to do today. Well, man, you know, I want to respect your time. So I, I like yeah. that. a great interview. Thanks, man. I, I love chatting with you. I feel like I could chat for hours with you. That's the, that's the thing. Sometimes I'm like, oh, fuck, I gotta, I gotta watch their time. I don't, you know, I, they got stuff to do. So yeah, man, I appreciate you. Man, me too, man. I, it was great chatting and yeah. I, one more question for you. One more last question I ask everybody. What is one lesson that adversity has taught you? That, that, that I can overcome anything. You know, I can overcome anything. So, uh, hey, I want to I want to send you this uh, this book that I read on confidence. I'm gonna I'm gonna send it in the chat. Awesome. So, so that you can add it to your links. I just looked it up while you were asking me that. Like like the thing about adversity, if you can overcome adversity, and that's what I was saying earlier about the problems. Get you some new problems. Get create some new problems for yourself, not the same ones. Move on. Elevate your problems. Yeah. Um, because what that does is when I get new problems, not the same ones, Yeah. when I get some new ones and elevate my game, I start getting confidence in myself. And that is the ultimate uh, value of adversity. Awesome, man. Love it. We're going to do this in person next time, brother. Hey, wait, brother, come on down to Miami. <laughs> yeah. Hey, sure, man. I want to see you. You know what you should do? You should uh, make sure that you're at the 10X Growth Conference in Vegas. Yeah. And bring your equipment and get some more interviews like this. Yeah, man. I Yeah, I'm definitely, I, I wanted to go last year. This year, when is it this year? What does it matter? It's 02-2020. All right, you're good. 02-2020. I, li I like how you did that. Why the fuck does it matter? I should be there. It don't there. matter. It don't matter, dude. Once you have a commitment, I'll be there. Their locations don't matter. You're, that's so true, man. All right, brother. Thanks very much, man. Be great. All right, you too. Thanks, everybody. I hope you got value from that. Grant is such a powerful force. It's funny listening to that episode and watching it on uh, YouTube. I've changed so much and so much of my life has changed. But that conversation was so powerful. And that was a huge pinnacle point for me was having Grant Cardone at really taking my podcast to the next level. Like I said, I'll have him on again. And yeah, I hope you got value from that. If you did, leave us a review. It really matters or share it with somebody that you feel needs it. And like I said like I said before, if you're new and you haven't subscribed to the podcast, subscribe wherever you're listening to this or follow it. Or if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button or the follow button to stay on top of it. Also, guys, again, Mastering Adversity, my book, Unlock the Warrior Within, Turn Your Biggest Struggles into Your Greatest Gifts is now available for pre-sale. This is going to change your life. The launch of the book is being pushed back, but let me keep you up to date with that when I know the dates. For now, you can order the book for the pre-sale. It's available in the show notes below, or you can go to my website, lanceecios.com or lance.ecios on my Instagram. All right, much love. We'll catch you next time.